The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Writer Files. I am still your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of renowned writers. And in part two of this file, the prolific, multiple award winning New York Times bestselling author, Catherine M. Valenti, took a break at her spooky Writer's Island to chat with me about her superhero origin story, earning street cred with readers, and her truly unique process. And since her first novel, Labyrinth, published in 2004, the hybrid author has gone on to pen over 24 volumes of both fiction and poetry across multiple genres. In addition to being published and anthologized in dozens of print and online journals, Catherine has won or been nominated for every major award in her field, including the Hugo Award for both a novel and a podcast, and been a finalist for both the Nebula and World Fantasy Awards. She's perhaps best known for her crowdfunded phenomenon, The Girl Who Circumnavigated Fairyland in a Ship of Her Own Making, a book launched by a dedicated online fan community that went on to become a New York Times bestseller. The series, which recently concluded with a fifth book, has been lauded by fellow author Neil Gaiman, and Time Magazine called it one of the most extraordinary works of fantasy for adults or children published so far this century. The prolific author continues to find innovative ways to connect with her audience, and she recently launched a Patreon project called the Mad Fiction Laboratory, where she offers professional and personalized advice on the business and craft of writing, as well as a sneak peek into her multiple works in progress. In part two of this file, Kat and I discuss her love of Spotify playlists for writing inspiration, why the first draft doesn't have to be perfect, her organizational hacks for Scrivener writers, why your personal creative outlet is important for your sanity, where the author keeps her three Oxford English dictionaries and 24 tarot card decks, and why writers need to read everything. And if you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives on Apple Podcasts and on writerfiles.fm, as well as in the show notes. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. 
If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. Input often equals output for highly prolific writers like yourself. Yeah, so it sounds like coffee is one of the things that kind of gets you in the mode <laughs> before you sit down. Um, do you stick on headphones or you just kind of uh, um, prefer silence when you're... Funny thing, you know, I've changed a lot over the years because I used to write a lot in cafes and I'd have my headphones on and always had to have like, hundred percent of my music library available on my laptop <laughs> to the detriment of any other storage on my laptop. <laughs> but, uh, but I, then, then I would be in the office, but I'd have to have music on, have to have playlists. Mm. Um, and boy, these days I, uh, I don't have any, I can't stand having headphones on when I work cause it makes my head feel compressed, like mm. wrapped up in, in cotton. And I will go from either total silence or um, I do, I make a Spotify playlist for every book that I work on. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. It, and basically what I do is I search for keywords having to do with the story and then just dump all the music into a file. And as I work, I'll remove things if they're terrible. So for the Bronte yeah. book, I put uh, Charlotte and, and Emily uh, into Spotify and every song that had those names in it, I put into um and Jane for Jane Eyre and things like that. I, I put into a, a file. And for the Mass Effect book, I just pulled all my favorite video game soundtracks into a, a playlist. So um, I'll either listen to that or nothing these days. I, it, I have to have a lot more peace around me. I used to be able to write with like people in a Starbucks milling around all the time. Yeah. That's that time cool. was done. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And Spotify has come a long way too. It um, really has, In recent yeah. years, they have some spooky algorithms that can kind of almost guess exactly what you want to hear next. <laughs> um, well, okay, so here's the million-dollar question. Um, how do you feel about writer's block? Do you believe in it? <laughs> Is it a thing? Have you ever had it? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, not being able to think of something is always a real thing. Uh, I tend to try and work on something else if I can't figure out what to do. I mean, I have I, writer's block for me is more, I can't figure out what the right plot point to do next is. So while thinking of what to do next, I will either work on another project or, uh, you know, go running or something. Mm. Um, as far as just not being able to write at all. I mean, I'm not going to say that that doesn't still happen to me because it does, but I no longer really have the luxury of indulging that for more than a day or two, because I have a number of people relying on me turning in a manuscript. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, you'll get in trouble if you don't do this is a, is a great motivator. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I used to, I used to be really focused on having the first draft be completely perfect. And I think I had a lot less problems when I kind of let that go and started thinking like you can fix it in post the way you fix something in post-production in a movie like you can fix so I always tell myself you can fix it in post like the first draft does not have to be uh, a, a work that inspires you know tears of awe in people like the, it, it can have problems then pro those problems can be fixed um so so that's helpful yeah. I mean I still try to make the first draft as as good as I can make it um but I, I don't I don't necessarily 
refuse to go on to the next page until everything before it is right anymore. Oh, I love that. Fix it and post. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like you are a Mac user. I am. Uh, yeah, I, I am. I, so my, down in my office, I have this, I love the computer I have, even though it's old because it has a great story. So it's a 2008 all-in-one uh, Mac desktop. And I got it because I posted to Twitter. I was like, does anybody have uh, a Mac desktop that they want to sell? Like, I can't afford to get one of the big schmancy new ones. But uh, like, if somebody has one, reasonably priced uh, i'm interested and smith college <laughs> the librarians at smith college emailed me and said we will trade you we're getting rid of all of our library computers and replacing them we will trade you one for a complete set of your books signed and i was like absolutely sold wow no problem. that is <laughs> so, so cool my computer is from the library at smith college um and <laughs> i i do love it and i have a um an air laptop and Honestly, like I travel so much that the lightness of the air is really crucial. Yeah. Uh, when I used to have a an older, heavier laptop, I just I constantly had shoulder problems. Yeah, yeah. I'm carrying it everywhere. But I am a Mac user. I don't know how much longer, given the changes they're making. But uh, for the moment, I, and my my gaming computer is a PC. Yes. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, well, uh, are you a primarily Microsoft Word, or uh, are you kind of more of the a Scrivener uh, school? I, I am all Scrivener all the time. I am a Scrivener evangelist. Okay. <laughs> I could not function without it. They better not ever hmm. stop supporting that program, or I'll be in trouble. Uh, no, I love Scrivener, um, and I've I've been used. That was actually why I switched to Mac in the first place. Yeah. Um, because all of my friends were talking about Scrivener at the time, they didn't have a PC version. Um, and so I switched over to Mac to use that program. 
it's great. Yeah. It's, it's just spectacular. Yeah. And for the self-publishing piece, obviously that's a, a huge um, uh, advantage to the Scrivener, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's cool to hear. So um, you're working on multiple projects across multiple genres. You're kind of doing the productive procrastination thing where you're just kind of moving mm-hmm. from piece to piece when you get stuck on one, you move to the other. So how do you yeah. stay organized? Do you have any uh, tips Very on that? Uh... <laughs> I am not a particularly organized person, so uh, I, I'm pretty bad with that from time to time. But I will say that one of the things I use Scrivener for uh, that I, is, is if, if I have anything that's a hack, this is my hack. I, at the beginning of every year, I start up a new Scrivener file and all of the short stories, talks, poems, essays that I write for that year, I, I do in that one Scrivener file. And they're basically chapter, you know, they'll, they'll appear in the sidebar as chapters in folders, but the folders will say short fiction, essays, poetry. Um, so I can see at a glance everything I have to do this year and everything mm. I have done with the year, which helps me stay, uh, like helps me think of the year as a unit and helps me be able to tell anybody like what I have due or like what I have eligible for awards or anything like that. So nice. that is one of the big things I use Scrivener as an organizational tool. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, how does Catherine M. Valenti unwind at the end of a long uh, writing day? <laughs> uh, usually I'll come home and have a cocktail and watch something and knit or crochet. I'm a big fiber arts crafter. Nice. Uh, so it's very meditative knitting and crocheting. I used to spin as well, but um, between uh, a novel deadline and uh, spinning yarn for Christmas presents. I developed carpal tunnel really badly a couple oh, no. years ago. I'm like the I, I'm the first person to hurt themselves on a spinning wheel since like Sleeping Beauty. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but so unfortunately, because that was that was actually incredibly debilitating. Um, I have not. I've been sort of afraid to pick up spinning again. But it's very meditative doing these sort of crafts. Um, I definitely my brain just keeps going and going. So it's kind of bad for me to work late at night though I still do sometimes because I won't be able to sleep for like four hours after I stop writing because my brain just keeps on going. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I'd love to pick your brain about uh, creativity a little bit if you have time. How do you personally kind of define creativity? Well, I mean, I think if you're making things, whatever those things are, you're, you're being creative. But the thing is, even if you're not making things, even if you're just an avid reader and all just always imagining and thinking about the stories that you read like that's creative too i think that we are creative beings there are very few humans who aren't creative in some way it's just that in our culture we define creativity in kind of restrictive ways so you know i do it professionally so i'm a i'm a creative but you know a housewife who is always making these perfect birthday cakes or uh you know making crafts for her kid's party, like that doesn't count as creative to most people, even though it absolutely is. Um, I think that most human beings actually would kind of freak out if they didn't have some creative outlet. For a lot of people, that's even sports, you know, the the people who paint their faces and go to all these games and like <laughs> that sports are a big part of their world, they turn that into a creative exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people get very, very unhappy if they don't, if they can't make something out of their own head into something real in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like your writing is kind of a, um, 
the definition of creativity. But uh, when do you personally kind of feel most creative? Um, right before I start a new project, I think, because I mm. haven't messed it up yet. It's just perfect in my head. <laughs> mm. uh, I haven't messed it up by writing it. And because uh, a lot of research and you know, thinking and, and imagining goes into it before I start typing. So I feel very creative when I'm in the midst of research and discovering things and naming characters and places and all of that I really love. Um, so yeah, and I cook a lot as well. Um, so I, that, that's definitely another creative outlet for me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an avid cook, have been for most of my life. Um, so yeah. So is, do, you, do you feel like um, cooking is kind of a, a creative muse for you? Yeah, definitely. And it also, like, it's very different than writing because it's nonverbal and very, you know, sensual in the literal sense of it involving all your senses and mm -hmm. physical and, um, you know, bubbling and sense and everything. So it can really ground you, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's interesting. I've heard other writers say that as well. It kind of it helps um, kind of balance the very cerebral yeah. um, writing piece. So what do you think in your estimation makes a writer great? An easy question. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it's not at all an easy question. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody, but everybody has different writers that they think are great. So there's obviously uh, a wide range of answers on that. I, um, you know, God, I'm going to say it's Emily Dickinson, and I don't even know if it really is. But I remember coming across a quote a long time ago that, that by somebody who said that they um, felt as though the a, a certain book had taken the top of their head off. And that's, that's what I'm always looking for. I'm always looking for a book that completely arrests me and makes me feel like my head's been spun around and taken off. And I'm, I'm always questing for that. I'm always like digging through books. I have this little button from a book festival that says, uh, go ahead, book, change me, do it. <laughs> and like, that's what I'm always looking for. That's what I always want. And that's not even like, there are, there are books that I feel that way about. And I may not even like anything else that that author has written. Uh, but then other people may like other books of theirs more than they do the one that I love so much. Like everybody is so different in, in terms of what they define greatness as, um, that I just, I like, I myself, what am I looking for? I'm looking for nice language and I don't just necessarily mean nice as in pretty, but like I will happily take, uh, you know, just good dialogue if that's what's there. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a book that has something to say. Um, I'm looking for, I'm just looking for the juice. I'm looking for the, the nougat center of, uh, of human experience dressed mm. up with all of the wonderful trappings of genre. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I like that. Um, everything, everything in there is, is uh, grist for the mill. And do you have a couple faves right now that are just kind of sitting on your nightstand or that you're just kind of obsessed with? couple favorite authors um, well so last year i read human croquet which is uh by kate atkinson which sounds really messed up and it is not it though it is a messed up book <laughs> less messed up than that title sounds um human croquet is apparently some kind of victorian party game uh where like people uh make themselves into hoops and like somersault under each other and stuff like a kid's party game <laughs> um, but like that book was so good. I read the entire thing on my phone 
And like, wow. there's a level of goodness in books and read the whole thing on your phone is really high level. Like, uh, and I really loved it. I just, I loved it to pieces. Um, I read a lot of nonfiction books last year that I really, uh, I really enjoyed. Weir, Alison Weir, um, her book, Mary Queen of Scots and the Murder of Lord Darnley. Mm. Um, I really liked a lot. Uh, and I'm rereading the Dirk Gently books right now. Hmm. I mean, Douglas Adams is frustrating because you can't really top him. You can, you're not going to do better uh, at making a sentence or starting a book or, yeah. or really much of anything than Douglas Adams. It's the same with Terry Pratchett. Like, you can't do better than that. You can just sit back and uh, admire. Yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, you did share already one uh, best love quote. Uh, do you have any others kind of just or one that sticks out that's hanging over your desk or kind of stuck in your head? <laughs> So uh, I, I used to have, God, I don't know what happened to it. I think I lost it when I moved. I used to have Jack Kerouac's 29 Rules for Writing mm. over my desk mm -hmm. anymore. But um, I have been reading some Dorothy Sayers lately. Uh, and she's just incredible as far as quotes. Like, uh, if, you, if you want quotes about really pretty much anything, she is just extraordinary. She, she wrote, you know, nearly around the same time as Agatha Christie uh, and their murder mysteries as well. Um, but she's got one that I sent to all my friends that's, it's something like, uh, nothing makes one feel so, uh, feel so cozy as reading a, uh, reading about a ghastly murder on a rainy day. Hmm. Uh, and I just, I think that that's so true when it comes to the horror genre, which is one of my favorite genres. Like yeah. there is a, there is such a peculiar pleasure to reading about terrible things happening when nothing terrible is happening to you. I know it's some kind of like circle of shade in Freud. I don't even <laughs> really know. It's 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 not. I'm like it's not what I think humankind should be most proud of as a species. But it's definitely uh, an instinct that we don't address that much. I love quotations. I always have. I have several dictionaries of quotations in the house. Um, like my dad actually sent me a link the other day uh, to. Apparently, I have a page on Brainy Quote, and I felt. <sighs> Complete because I I I love I, I used to be one of those kids that like walk around just straight reading through the Oxford Dictionary of quotations like it was a novel. Yeah. <laughs> okay, before we wrap with uh, kind of advice to your fellow scribes, a um, couple fun ones for you. I know that you have you know that you have uh, obviously an Oxford English Dictionary probably in the house. Um, Three. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got these ma you've got these ancient tomes of probably. Uh, folklore and and mythology, mm -hmm. etc. That you that you dig into um, for inspiration, but you, but you also mentioned um, reading an ebook on your phone. It sounds like you're a hybrid uh, reader. Do you like uh, one for or the sure. other? Yeah, um, for sure. I, I definitely both. I have a ton of books in my house. Uh, like half the reason I bought this house is that all the walls are built-in bookshelves, so I have more bookshelf than book for the first <laughs> time in my life. Um, but I also I have a Kindle. I really enjoy reading things on the Kindle. I tend to do a lot of my research nonfiction reading on the Kindle right now because I can search yeah. for uh, stuff that I sort of vaguely remember coming across but forgot to you know, put a bookmark in it. So that's really helpful. So I tend to do all of that on the Kindle if I can, unless there's a book that's not available. Um, but yeah, I definitely go back and forth. And with something like Human Croquet, I immediately bought a paper copy because I loved it so much. If mm -hmm. I love a book that I read on ebook, I'll get a paper copy. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, like, I was, I was very much like, I will read print and nothing else forever. Like, I, I gotta pay into the print publishing industry and, and, and like, put my money where my mouth is. But I have to say that 
it's really nice to be able to carry around like a, a library of thousands of books in a in a little yeah. compact package because I do travel so much. So yeah. uh, that's that's really really nice to have when you're on the road so often. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely definitely both because I, I I do feel. There's a lot of times where I'm, I I could get into a book if I was reading it in a print copy, but I sort of skim if I'm reading it in an e-copy. So it really, really depends. Yeah, no, I understand that sentiment completely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Um, do you have a favorite literary character of all time? Oh, I mean, there's so <laughs> there's no way there's no way you can yeah do it. no there really isn't there's so many like uh like it's it's really it's impossible like I could go anything from Susan from uh, the Discworld books to uh, you know Dionysus in the Frogs <laughs> right. to Shahrazad to Jane Eyre to like there's just there's a lot a lot of characters that i genuinely love and and would listen to anything they had to say um it's like saying what's your favorite movie like right i I mean i have answers but it's comp it's a more complicated question than that sure i even hate i even hate that like name your top 10 movies question let's be divided by genre (laughs) right um okay if you could choose uh one author from any era for an all-expense paid dinner to your favorite place in the world who would you take and where would you take them uh so given the book i have coming out in september it has to be charlotte bronte (laughs) and i think that i would take her to um oh god am i gonna get it right it's the angel at hatton i think uh it's a it's a restaurant in yorkshire which was featured in a television show called the trip which (laughs) is one of my very very favorites uh and it is a very high-end like michelin starred uh restaurant in the sort of there's nothing around it the angel and the angel at hatton uh nothing around it but moors for miles but like some of the most amazing food i've ever had it's just wonderful and since charlotte grew up in yorkshire and is in many ways the voice of yorkshire i think she would be delighted to see uh <laughs> yeah like that spring up for sure, uh, for sure. yeah yeah all right. Well, I'm sure that um, we are uh, running short of time and, and uh, I've asked you so many questions, but I have a feeling listeners are going to want me to ask you, do you have a writer's fetish? Do you collect like rare, weird uh, first editions or do you have like, I can't imagine what you have hanging on the walls there. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I have a lot of crazy stuff hanging on my walls. <laughs> um, actually, I would say that 85% of the stuff I have on my walls is created by friends or fans of mine. 
Cool. Which is which is very much on purpose. Uh, and but as far, I so I, I thought I I never thought I did because I always wanted to have like these elaborate rituals to start writing and, and like all of these you know, objects and all that kind of stuff. And I always just felt like it's I, it's less work to just write the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of goes, I, mean, I have a very reputation for this, like romantic, elegant writing, but I'm actually a very practical person in a lot of ways. Um, but it was pointed out to me when my partner moved in with me that in fact, I have 28 tarot decks in this house. Um, wow. And, and I'm reasonably sure there's more he hasn't found yet. So I think that possibly I collect those without noticing that I was collecting them. Wow, that's cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting piece. Um, I give you a very very uh, interesting uh, take on different characters that you would meet over a deck of tarot cards. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap up with advice to your fellow writers, I just want to point back to your website, CatherineMvalenti.com, which I will link to in the show notes. The uh, Patreon mad fiction laboratory uh which looks like a lot of fun and i will point back to that as well you are on twitter um cat valenti yeah and i mean there's so much out there to find um amazing writing actually found the best american science fiction and fantasy from 2016 you've got this uh short story planet lion uh, mm-hmm. which is like the complete opposite of the Fairland stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it could not be more different. So cool, so cool <laughs> to see. So, um, But I that mean, story is what got me the Mass Effect contract. Oh, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, so much out there to find. So um, can you offer some advice to your, to your fellow writers on just how to keep going, how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor uh, moving? For me, the answer is, has always been the same from when I was a kid to now, which is to read everything. I get so inspired reading fiction and nonfiction. Uh, like I will read a page from a nonfiction book and like like ghostwriting, my other hand will have written a page of notes. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's so intensely inspiring. And especially in these, uh, see now I'll be an old lady, in these days of social media. <laughs> uh, but, but we do, we read these um, very short outtakes of people's thought processes and things like Twitter are functionally infinite uh, quip generators, and it's not—it's not quite the same fertile ground as fiction, whether you read that on an ebook reader or, or in print or whatever. And I think that nothing inspires so much as reading. There, there was one of my English classrooms when I was a kid had a sign on the wall that said, "In order to write a novel, one must turn over half a library," and I think that's incredibly true. And for what, one of the things that I'm, I'm going to talk about in Patreon uh, that I feel like people don't very much, because people always talk about your first novel, but nobody wants to talk about your second. <laughs> the thing is, I think people always turn over a full library for their first novel because everything they've ever wanted to write is in that first novel somewhere. They've crammed it all in. Uh, it's like a first album, you know, like everything <laughs> yeah. you've so hard on for years. But then you have to turn over another half a library for the next book. And you usually have to do it a lot faster than it took to turn over that library for the first book, much like the second album slump. And so you have to keep you have to keep going through those libraries. You have to keep finding uh, new and healthful foods to put into your brain. And uh, for me, there's nothing there's nothing as inspiring as reading. Ah, I love it. So much wisdom there um, and throughout. Thanks for taking the time, Kat. We really appreciate you coming on here to do this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. 
If you enjoy The Writer Files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Bye.